one of the major themes, people of God, in the book of Ruth is the providence of God, God's providence. Providence means that God provides, God rules, God is in control, God's in charge. If you want to find the best definition you'll ever find of providence, you go to the back of the Blue Psalter hymnal, Lesson, Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Bible Study Series. It's on page 17. Best definition you'll ever find of, of providence. In this book, Elimelech, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz are all very important people. But Ruth is really all about God. And we're going to see that uh, there's a lot here about God's providence this morning. We, we've noticed that in previous sermons. Remember in, in chapter 1, when we talked about sanctified affliction, sanctified affliction for believers, that means that no problem, no pain has no purpose for you as a child of God. We also saw how God, in chapter 1, didn't let Naomi go even after she and her household made some very poor choices by going to Moab. Now, today in the second half of chapter 2, we really have an opportunity to focus in on providence. And we're going to see this morning, very simply, how God provides in two major ways. We're going to see how God provides in the big picture of life and history, and how he provides in the small things of life. In Ruth 2, we see how God provides in the big picture, the sweep of history. How? Well, we're getting hints in here that this is all going somewhere. Remember we talked about how Charles Spurgeon called Jesus our glorious Boaz. And he made very obvious what the Bible is doing, making that connection between Christ and this type of Christ, in Boaz. Now in verse 20, this phrase, kinsman redeemer, really shows us the big picture. And, and I, I want to tell you how it does that. It's not maybe a really familiar idea to us, and that's because it doesn't come up a whole ton in the Old Testament. The kinsman redeemer idea was set up by God in Leviticus 25. But it really wasn't operational too much in Israel's history. It related to the land, and it related to individuals. With the land, God had given his people the promised land. Certain tribes were given certain regions. Then each family was given a certain portion of the region. Now, if someone became poor, and you could become poor maybe, you know, let's say they had two or three years of crop failure... If that happened to someone, he might have to get rid of his land just to stay afloat, just to survive, to sell it. Now, in the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, all the land would revert back to the original owner and family. And that was a really gracious system that God set up to prevent generational poverty. It kept the land in the family. But 50 years, that's a long time between jubilees. In your lifetime, you might lose your land and then be dead before you ever see it again. But then, a near relative could step up and help you out, pay off the debt, give you the land back. 
that person was your kinsman redeemer. A kinsman, that's a relative, and a redeemer. That means he buys back what you had lost. This applied to people, too. Things could get so bad in those days that you had to sell yourself into slavery to pay off your debts. Can you imagine that, boys and girls? If things got so bad with the economy that your parents had to be sold and maybe your whole family into slavery, that wouldn't be forever and ever. At the year of Jubilee, all the debts were erased. But 50 years is a long time. Unless a kinsman redeemer came forward, took out his checkbook, and redeemed you. Now, the idea of kinsman redeemers applied to widows, too. And that was this situation. We're going to get more as the book goes on. But for right now, you get the picture. Kinsman redeemers did not have to act in this capacity. It was sheerly out of their love and grace and goodwill. The kinsman redeemer, like so many other ceremonies, sacrifices, laws, systems set up in the Old Testament, that was to be a living illustration, a living picture of what God would do in Jesus Christ. They knew about Jesus in the Old Testament. He was the promised Messiah to come. And it was faith in the Messiah and God's grace that saved people then as it does us now. The difference was they didn't see it as clearly as we do. The kinsman redeemer then was this picture for them of the Messiah to come, of what God would do in Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? Oh, he would be born in the same town that we're talking about here. They're in Bethlehem. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. It turns out even he would be a great, 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 great grandson of Ruth and Boaz. We find Ruth's name in the genealogy of Matthew 1. The Bible says our sin creates a debt that we can't pay back, and we're enslaved to sin. Well, Jesus, our glorious Boaz, came to redeem his people from their sin. He paid the price. He wrote the check with his own blood on the cross. Jesus would be the perfect kinsman redeemer. Not because he had to be, not because we deserved redeeming, no. The world, we got ourselves in this mess ourselves, but he did it out of sheer grace because he loves us. As Boaz saw Ruth earlier in this chapter in that field, Jesus sees us. As Boaz showed Ruth kindness, Jesus shows us kindness. As Boaz, in the first verse we read, feeds Ruth and has her dip the bread in the wine vinegar, Jesus tells his followers to sit down with him and share in his supper, just like we did together last Sunday morning. As Boaz was willing to step up, to step to the plate and redeem Ruth, as we're going to see, so Jesus was willing to step up and redeem us, and he did. Our kinsman, our brother, Jesus Christ, he paid the ultimate price to save us from our sins. So, big picture of God's providence. God had a plan. 
It was dark times. This was the days of the judges, you remember. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. People didn't follow God. The worst of times for God's people. But we're shown how even in those times, God is in control. God is working out things for his people. All the way to Bethlehem. All the way to today. To 2010. And beyond that, through to the end of time, he's working it out. When Jesus will come again a second time to take his people to be with him forever. And sadly, he will give those who have rejected Jesus what they have wished for all along. Those who reject Jesus don't want God in their lives. They want the absence of God. And they will, when Jesus comes again, have that eternally, an everlasting punishment. From Bethlehem, the original thousand years before zero B.C., this Bethlehem, to Bethlehem Christmas, to today, to the end of time, God's redemptive plan is especially carried out through his people, through his church. And we're a part of that here at Faith CRC. That means that we are a part of God's special plan. It means that we together have a purpose. We have a calling. We have a mission from Jesus Christ himself, one that the Lord will carry to completion. And you can choose to be a vital part of that by being a part of and being among, being active among God's people. God provides in the big picture, yes, amen. But God is also in charge of every little picture, every little scene throughout history as well. He's active in history. He's active in your life too. Remember that verse 3, as it turned out? It's a joke from the narrator. He's saying, as luck would have it, and of course he doesn't believe in luck, he believes in God's providence. As it turned out, Ruth ended up in the field of Boaz. So we see the steps, the little steps, the little picture in Ruth's life. Did Ruth take steps of faith herself? Yes, of course she did. Did Ruth sit down and do nothing in her life? No. Providence doesn't mean we aren't active. Providence doesn't mean we do not make choices and decisions. But who brought her and led her to that particular field? God did. God did. Absolutely. God is providing. He's sovereign in even the tiniest details in the lives of his people. The prayer of Boaz, that beautiful prayer, verse 12, about finding refuge in God's wings, that prayer is fulfilled in Ruth's life. Do you notice the excitement of Naomi in verse 20? She's excited because she is seeing and experiencing God's provision. And you know, she says, verse 20, the Lord bless him talking about Boaz, and then our translation said, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. That's not talking about Boaz. That's God. That's God. She didn't always feel this way, did she? You think she was feeling this way when at the end of chapter 1, she came back to Bethlehem from Moab, and she told the women there, call me Mara. That means bitter. You think that she was confident in the providence of God then? I don't think she was. She definitely wasn't. And we aren't always either. We wonder sometimes. It's not always easy 
Is God providing? Why isn't God being nicer and kinder with me and my loved ones right now? And then God's word in Ruth reminds Naomi, well, she, and reminds us of the facts of the matter. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. That's, those are the facts. That's our God. That's your father. Not a hair falls from his head without the will of your God. John Calvin once referred, had this phrase, the winding road of God's providence. Have you experienced the winding road in your life? And he was using that to talk about Joseph's life. It applies to Naomi's life and Ruth's from famine in Bethlehem to death and loss in Moab. Back to Bethlehem now, but they're broke and hungry. That's enough to make you bitter about God's hand in your life. But the fact is, he never lets you go, as Naomi discovers. We sometimes can't see it until later. That turn in the road back in my life. That detour. Sometimes we don't see it at the time. It's later. We're like, oh yeah, he was there too. He was providing. He didn't let me go, did he? Silly me. How could I, how could I ever think that he would have? He's never let me down. He'll never let me go. The book of Ruth shows us how all things do work for the good of God's people. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain except that they do is God's people go through life, things just sort of fall into place and kind of happen, as we're seeing here with Ruth. Things are just falling into place according to God's plan. And, and that will happen, and it does happen in our lives too. The puzzle will come together. Even the odd, crooked-looking pieces will come together in God's providence and leading. He's got the full picture in mind. We know that especially when we doubt it because Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, that is God's ultimate provision. His ultimate providing for your needs and mine and the needs of the world. His providing of our redeemer, the ultimate provision guarantees that the rest is being taken care of too in your life. So I want to encourage you this morning to rest in God's providence for you this Christmas season. As we remember the first Christmas, look back to how God prepared that all the way in the Old Testament. Look how Jesus comes to say, rest in God's provision for you. Rest in his care. Rejoice in it and praise God for it. And the children are going to help us do that. In just a little bit. See in these children that are going to be up here the faithful provision of our God to generation after generation after generation. I also want to challenge you this morning to be making choices that put you at the heart of God's people, the church, because that puts you and your family in the heart of God's plan and providence and care and love and faithfulness, both in the big picture 
as well as in all the details of your life, the straight roads, the winding roads of your life. And that's where you want to be, at the center of God's care. 